When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. Fortunate enough to be joined by Jason Shear, Ben White on assignment in LA where he is always on assignment. The great Ben White. I am merely Mike Luke. Hello, fellas. How you doing? Yo. Happy Tuesday. All right. We got a lot to get to this show. But first, we need to talk about the elephant in the room. That is uh, the Elijah rushing decommitment. Now, we've all been around decommitments before. We all know what they look like. We all know, uh, you know, I'm uh, here's generally your basic decommitment. Um, after uh, much talk with God and family, I've decided that I'm going to uh, reopen my commitment. Please respect my decision. Hashtag blessed. That's the way that almost every decommitment goes, and that's generally the way it is. Now, we have Elijah Rushing one, which is, I don't believe, actually written by Elijah Rushing, but here is the Elijah Rushing one. I would like to express my gratitude to the coaches and staff at the University of Arizona for the opportunity to be a Wildcat. As a hometown kid, my desire was to rep my city while becoming the best version of myself. I have taken into consideration the recent progress and strides the program has made. Although it is evident that the program is on the rise, I have to consider my future goal. I have come to the conclusion that the program is not the right fit for me to take the next step with regard to my development. I am therefore decommitting from the program, Elijah Rushing. All right. I've heard from many, many people close to the situation for months, and it's picked up steam in weeks. Sheer can vouch for this as well, that um, Elijah Rushing's father is not at all happy that Cruz Rushing, who they get Arizona football gave a scholarship to, had no other Division I offers, is not playing on the field. And uh, this is what I have been told from many, many people expedited this decision for Elijah Rushing to move on. Sheer, been doing this a long time i've never come across something quite like this it's weird for a few reasons again like you said like usually it's just like i've made a decision that i think is the best for me thank you arizona for everything you're done he rips the ability to develop the players and then his brother even though it didn't come from him whatever is currently being coached by that same coaching staff that he rips and then george which is funny, goes to 24-7. We got an interview with him, and he goes, we're looking for development and championships. We're hearing a lot from Tennessee, Oregon. It's like, oh, great. And then he mentions ASU. And even ASU fans are like, come on, you just did that to twist the knife. Like, we're not stupid. We're not competing for championships. You just said that Arizona is more of a long-term plan and you want immediate, and then you mention ASU. Like, the pettiness involved in the statement and then the interviews after – you know, Elijah's a great kid. I've never heard anything bad about Cruz, and they're getting punished for the actions of people close to him. 
Yeah, Ben, and that to me is the unfortunate part about this is that all these same people that were telling me about this that was going to uh, that was that was about to happen, they all said it's really an unfortunate situation because the kids are going to be caught in the crosshairs now. And again, like Shear said, I would reiterate these are great kids. I would not um, I would not put my uh, blame towards them in the least. But at the end of the day, though. Uh, the, the father put them in a very, very difficult spot. I would have had a lot more respect for him if he had just sat down and he had put that tweet out and said, all right, come at me. Now the kids are caught in the crosshairs, and that's not something that uh, the kids should have to deal with. It's unfortunate in a recruiting situation, and, and Shear's seen this way better than we have over the years, when it feels that the parent is making the decision and not the kid, right? I mean, that feels right. like it's been the case here. Um, it feels like there's a lot of politics behind the scenes. And like you said, when you go in there and you start bashing the coaching staff that your family is already committed and, and playing with, and for the longest time, the narrative in the story was, we're going to Arizona. You know, we're going to be here, and all of a sudden that changes over time. So just doesn't really add up and makes you start to question whether or not that offer uh, even wanted out there so i get that he's a highly talented player i get that he has a lot of places to go in terms of choice but at the same time if this is the background that he's coming from makes you think twice as to if you want this kid as well and i'm fine with kids decommitting recommitting whatever you want to commit all of that this is a different situation though entirely because like i expect and this is just i don't have any inside info on this but i expect keona Wilhite will still become an arizona wildcat i think at the end of the day he will uh, he will re commit to the U of A this is a tough this is going to be a tough road to traverse here having uh, after the father has come out and essentially bashed Arizona on two different platforms your platform at 24 7 by saying that we're looking for championships therefore we're looking at ASU okay dude and then on top of that the tweet that uh, he put out for his kids that's a that's going to be a very tough one and if I'm Jed Fish and we're going to get to the talent level on the rise I'm not sure that this is anything I really want to deal with it's going to be interesting because uh, I believe, based on what sources I've told me, and, and I and I usually wait to the last minute to release this stuff, but I'm pretty sure Jed Fish was going to be at South Point's game during the bye week. Like that's yeah. why like, you get to go to one game a year as the head coach. That's why like Dan Lanning wasn't at the rushing game on Friday. It had to be Tosh. Um, Jed Fish was going to use the bye week to go to South Point's game. I think it's against Mountain Point. It's going to be interesting if he still goes to that game. Mountain Point has a few guys, and they and they still want Will Height, but do you go to that South Point game now for one or two guys, or do you go to a game in Southern California that has more players? I'm, I'm very curious to see if Arizona says, you know what, Elijah, we're done, or if they do the duty where it's like, look, he's not going to come here, but maybe on the flip side of a transfer portal and all that, because that's happened before. You You like to kind of keep recruitments warm now. You kind of have to do that. With sure. the portal, we didn't have to do that before, but um, I'm I'm really curious to see how how Arizona handled this in general. I know that uh, the Arizona reaction wasn't nearly as bad as the Arizona fan reaction. Like to them, it's just like, okay, this happened. We're moving on. This is what we're gonna do. Right. And and that's the thing, too, is that Arizona, you look at and we're going to talk about this here in just a second. You look at the talent that they're putting on the field right now and the development and whatnot. That is uh, Jed Fish, whatever you think about him. This dude knows how to get better talent. This dude knows what he's doing when it comes to that. And. I, again, it was just something that I've I've never quite seen before where the father puts their kids in such a 
difficult situation right here. And again, we need to reiterate too, Arizona gave Cruz Rushing a scholarship, and this is with all due respect because, again, he's a great kid. Cruz Rushing is not a Division One football player. He didn't have any offers. Um, he was going to be preferred walk-on everywhere. So I don't know if they – expected him to come in here and start beating out guys like you know uh uh genesis smith and whatnot that wasn't ever going to happen sure no i mean it, it, it wasn't like in you know we saw Cruz at at south point arizona didn't make a mistake no one made a mistake by not offering him and, and he's a good kid and all that i don't want to seem like we're ripping Cruz, but for that to be a reason to decommit and, and what's silly is in the statement it talks about development this is the same coaching staff that Elijah right. Rushing committed to. Nothing changed with the ability to develop. Not one thing. So using that as an excuse just makes no sense. All right. So let's get to some better things right now because Ben White and I were on assignment <laughs> at the Coliseum. Well, the, the mortals like Jason Shear were supposed to watch the game on TV. We were able to uh we were able to actually be there. Ben, we're gonna get into some because not the, the whole game wasn't perfect. We're gonna get into JDL and all that. But you and I watching that game, we both said to ourselves, and Michael Lev, who, uh, by the way, I don't think I annoyed too much Jason Shear. I was going to say, oh. bigger upset, the score of uh, Ben, the score of that game or the fact that Mike didn't get kicked out of the press box? Uh, I would say Mike, honestly. Yeah, no, but uh, ben, Ben's arm is very sore. There was a lot of uh, – there, was a lot, <laughs> there but, was a lot of back and forth, yes. <laughs> but, you know, this was the first time probably since the Stoops era, Sheer, where it feels like Arizona's got a team on both sides of the ball. Granted, they're not pl- – uh, granted, they haven't played well, um, you know, uh, a ton. But the defensive line, Ben, uh, especially, they were all over – uh, Caleb Williams, and it didn't look like a fluke. That was the thing that was wild about it. Whether it was a Taylor Upshaw, whether it was a Deuce Davis, whether it was uh, a variety of different guys, this team has players that we have not seen in quite a while on both sides of the football. 100%. And they really won the battle at that line of scrimmage, and they made Caleb Williams uncomfortable. Um, in that first half, I believe he only had 100 or so yards. I mean, finished the game with 219 yards and one touchdown. If you would have told me you're going to hold somebody like him just to one touchdown, then you're going to have a shot to be in that game. I thought the defensive line did a heck of a job. Uh, they limited the run game as well. I mean, USC only ran for like 100. 46 yards that could have been easily 300 plus, you know, with what we've seen in the past in Arizona defenses, but I thought they held their will very good and, and they proved that they belong. Um, they kept Arizona in that game in the first half. You know, a lot of things weren't perfect on the offensive side. Like we talked about how they have been with Arizona, but Arizona was in that game. They didn't look outmatched from a physicality standpoint. And I can't remember the last time we were able to see that or say that, excuse me, against a team like USC. Sheer, what did you see watching it merely on the live screen? <laughs> yeah, loser. It, you know, Jed Fish said in, in Monday's press conference that he didn't have any doubts that the defense could stop USC heading into overtime. And while we may not agree with the strategy or whatever, it's wild to think that's an accurate statement. Like yeah. Caleb Williams had 43 yards in in the in the fourth quarter. Like he looked like he looked human up until the overtime. Uh, you know, and, and I've said this and I'll still say it, USC personnel wise on offense is as talented as this conference has seen in like a decade, right. like at every single position. And the fact that Arizona went out and credit Nansen too, because that defensive strategy was not something Arizona used. And it's not something we expected. He used a lot of man coverage, 
And Arizona hasn't played man all year. And so credit to him for, for basically Lincoln Riley said at halftime, yeah, we weren't, we weren't prepared for what Arizona gave us, which is, it's just crazy. And for the first time in years, physically and speed wise, it felt like Arizona belonged on the same field as USC. Sheer, do you want to apologize now or later to Deuce Davis? Deuce Davis was a monster on the football field. Apologize now and later. How about that? He was great. And like, and, and the thing is, like, right after the game, we got people comparing him and, and Isaiah Ward. Why can't we just have two good defense events? They're both good. We'll take both of them, please. And that's the thing. Also, going back to rushing, like, the way the transfer portal on Jetfish develops, like, I think rushing is really good. Is a freshman rushing better than a junior Isaiah Ward? No. Is he better than a Taylor Upshaw? You get out of the portal for a year. You know what I mean? It's just the transfer portal and the development has has changed, in my opinion, the impact of decommitments. And I just need to say this again, and this isn't bashing the kid because, again, he's a great kid, but I I will throw down the gauntlet right now that I, I still believe that Keona Wilhite is a different – I believe that Keona Wilhite is the better prospect of the two. That um, If Arizona can get Keona Wilhite, I would be more than comfortable calling it a day right there. Also, Sheer – Guess where I went twice on the way back from uh, Los Angeles? The restroom at Circle K? At Circle K. Now, I used many restrooms during this trip, but the best restrooms were at Circle K, my friends. Check out here. Join the Inner Circle for free. Get at the Inner Circle for free by joining the, the Circle K app today. Terms and conditions apply at participating locations. Visit CircleK.com for details. All kinds of good stuff right there. And game time. Maybe you're like uh, somebody. Maybe you're not in the media. <laughs> and... Uh, you weren't able to go to the game, but game time says, all right, for the people like Jason Shear that want to get in last second and maybe just hang out with the common folks, game time is here for you. Download the game time app, create an account and use code PHNX for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHNX for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest prices guaranteed. All right, let's talk about the quarterback situation here. We're going to get into some of the play calling because it wasn't all perfect here. The mm-hmm. quarterback situation, um, and a lot of people uh, and quite a few parents uh, that would, you know, I'm not going to obviously say who, but uh, the the difference right now between Noah Fafita and Jaden Delora Sheer and then Ben is glaring. I mean, it just is from what we've seen on the field this year. Noah Fafita, again, wasn't perfect, missed that, uh, uh, was, threw the ball too late uh, in overtime for the uh, two-point conversion, threw a bad pick. But that was a leader of men performance right there. And I don't use that term uh, uh, loosely in this situation, Sheer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not as down on Jaden Delora as others yet. But I, I'm on record as saying, like, I, I think Noah belongs, uh, d- deserves to be the starting quarterback. Like, your first two starts, you're going against Washington. You're at the road against USC. Two top ten teams, and you make a what? Five mistakes combined. Like Eight touchdowns, yeah. picks. Yeah, like, the pick was a mistake. He knew it. The pick against Washington was a mistake. He knew it. But the thing with him is – he makes the mistake and then he just moves on. Like you don't like the difference is with Jaden is he makes a mistake and you're like, oh crap, here comes a bunch more because he's trying he to fix it all and yeah. yeah, he's trying to fix it all in like one play. Noah does not get rattled and and he didn't get rattled in high school when he was playing in like arguably the toughest division in the country. He doesn't get rattled in college. Uh, I'm I'm a fan of knowing what you're going to get and I think with Noah you always know what you're going to get. I think it's a great way of putting it. And 
I think I would cap it off by saying you put the ball in his hands. Arizona goes out there and plays two top 10 teams. He plays great in both those games. I just don't know how you take that away from him. I know Jed in the press conference was talking Monday about how we have two great quarterbacks and let's not forget Jaden has done some great things, but I'm sorry. There's no clear difference here. And we've talked about it from the get-go between QB number one and QB number two. I would love to know definitively what JDL has done and what 16 starts, you know, probably what 12, 13 starts now with Arizona where you can point and say, he's the reason he's our starter. He's significantly better. I just don't understand it. I think the offense has looked remarkably better with him. I think when you put him in there, he knows exactly what he needs to do. He has the weapons to do it and he moves the ball effectively. Can't say the same thing about JDL. We're probably having a different conversation. If JDL stays in the game against Stanford, we're having a different conversation. If JDL does not play against Mississippi state, because we're finding out Mississippi state is not a very good team and Arizona should have won that game. So the list goes on and on and the future is Fafita and the future is now. And I think this coaching staff needs to realize that. And I'm not saying you need to come out and say Fafita is the permanent starter moving forward, but I feel that he's earned the opportunity to at least start next week, regardless if JDL um, is healthy or not. I just don't understand the difference right now. I really don't. And you know the misnomer that I think is floating out there that, well, Noah is the safe guy that doesn't, uh, you know, that won't make mistakes, but his upside isn't necessarily there. He balled out there against Caleb Williams and USC. I mean, you th- you threw five touchdowns, you throw over 300 yards. And again, he, you know, you, you missed a play in overtime. I get it. But this wasn't just a caretaker Alex Smith type performance there, Skier. Yeah, he's not just a game manager. I mean, we got to give him more credit than that. Game manager, he wouldn't be throwing for 300 yards. It would be 180 on 80, you know, screen passes all day. He's he's making plays out there. Like we saw even the incomplete pass where he threw the the go route to T Mac, which is a play that I questioned Jed about, but. Um, that's not a game manager play. Like you're not throwing the ball 40 yards downfield with three minutes left or whatever. He's not a game manager and it's, it's not giving him the credit that he deserves. Yes. All right. Well, you agree on that. Now let's talk about uh, the other guy that needs a little bit more love here. Jonah Coleman. We like Michael Wiley a great deal on this show. By the way, this is a great time to become a go or become a PHNX diehard. Go to gophnx.com, check it out, get all kinds of merch. You can get uh, all kinds of behind the scenes footage, cool little stuff that Anthony Gimino, who Sheer has begrudgingly admitted that he actually likes, writes for us now. All kinds of good stuff. Check it out. But Jonah Coleman would be a great PHNX diehard because he dies hard when they try to tackle him. Sheer, joking aside, our buddy Justin Spears called him mini beast mode. There's a little mini beast mode to him out there. Yeah, I mean, he's so fun to watch. <laughs> he's like, he's he's huge. He's a great kid. Uh, contact does nothing to him. You know, we talk about the quarterback position, but I'm actually more curious about running back a little bit. Just like when Michael Wiley comes back, how do you divide those carries? You know, right. and, and I assume that Colvin Jonah's carries to go up. But, I, you know, I still like Wiley also. But, man, I mean, Jonah Coleman is just a, a stud. And I think next season we're seeing he's very clearly going to be one of the top few running backs in the league. Ben? Yeah, he's special, man. I mean, he does not flinch. He will not go down. And 
he's versatile in the sense that he can bring that versus speed or he can be that big bully back who gets up the middle and is willing to deal with contact accordingly. Um, and you saw that. I mean, Arizona had a few plays there, um, especially in the second half where the offense at times was on a little bit of life support where they were able to give the ball to him and he's able to drive it, you know, 10, 15 yards down the field and really restore that confidence that might have been lacking there. So Arizona to me, man, I mean, we, we talked about receiver going into this year about how loaded the receiving group is and how um, you can definitely make the argument. It's one of the best in all of college football. But I would say the same thing about running back here. One thing that I don't get about Jed, and again, it's always parsed with Jed Fish has done a very good job. He definitely gets away from uh, times from things that are working. When uh, Arizona's running the ball on the right side, sometimes they just go away from it for no reason. And it felt like, you know, every time Jonah Coleman or DJ Williams was getting the rock, they were getting six, seven carries. And that, again, doesn't, um, and especially, too, if you're going to try that play in overtime, I mean, granted, it's a long field right there. It seems to me that you might want to try that play on the right side right there, Sheer. Yeah, it had worked so much, right? <laughs> like, if you watch, like, I think Jed said five for one, like, it, it, 111. I mean, it. I don't like the call. To me, it, it's tough to win in that environment in with that type of play call, but it worked, you know? It, it worked all game, and he probably figured it would work one more time. Why don't you go for two to win, try to win the game, though? That is one thing I don't get. I'm sorry. I'm going for two right there because here's why. Nobody will ever question you saying, can you believe that in over, can you believe in overtime they went for two to try to win against a 22-point favorite on the road? I would go for two there every single time, fellas, because there's no drawback. Plus, I don't want to give Caleb Williams more and more time with the ball. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I go yeah, ahead, ahead. Yeah, the thing is that the thing is, right, that when you do that, it's it's interesting because he was asked about that and he said, well, our defense was stopping USC all game. I'm sorry, man. When you're in overtime and you're on the road, like you said, and this is Caleb Williams, it's a little bit different. I think you're playing with fire and you clearly saw it when you're saying and you're thinking that you can beat USC and Caleb Williams by outscoring them. It's not going to happen. Arizona's offense did a good job. They scored the most points they have. You know, all season when it comes to, you know, playing a competent opponent. But I'm sorry. I mean, you should have been more aware there. I don't know, Sheer, if maybe it was a rule thing where he just forgot the rule. I know a lot of people watching at home certainly did. And some people in the media had forgotten that rule that, you know, regardless after that first touchdown, you're going to have to go for two anyway. So you might as well take care of business there. I just thought situationally, you know, might have been some poor coaching there, uh, Sheer. Yeah, I, he get, his reasoning in the press conference was basically that, he didn't have the heart. I mean, he didn't say it directly, but he, he basically said he didn't have the heart to tell the defense we're going for it because I would insinuate he doesn't believe in the defense when they had stopped USC all game. Uh, whatever. I, it did, I think the defense would have understood that you want to beat USC on the road. So yes. I'm yes. not fond of that reason. He definitely didn't know the overtime rules. I mean, there's, right. there's no way around that. Uh, I think he admitted it. As much I was after surprised the game, to but, admit it. I actually give him credit for admitting yeah, it. Most yeah. coaches would not admit that. It's not even an Arizona thing. Like, I'll be watching football, and, and after the first overtime, if you're the road team, you should always go for the win. Always. Yeah. If you're at home, I totally get playing for another overtime. On the road as the underdog, I go for two every time. Yeah, all right. Now, let's talk about the receivers. Uh, ben talked about, uh, obviously, Jacob Cowing and T-Mac. There's nothing more you can say. Oh, by the way, to all those UFC fans out there that said he wasn't a top five receiver in the conference, 
I challenge you and say, come back at me with that same energy now, my friends. He is a top five receiver. Michael Lev, who's generally fairly guarded, asked me, he said, is he the best non-draft eligible receiver in college football? And I say, yes, he is. He's that dude. Both of them are that guy. But one thing we need, we do need to do now, enough Montana Lamonius Craig. I'm sure he's a great dude. Um, looks the part. Just not what they need at that third position right there. Kevin Green, Malachi Riley, A.J. Jones, I don't care who you put in there. We've seen enough Montana Lamonius Craig. He's in his fourth year in college. He's just not a difference maker. They need to find somebody better at that position. Sheeran, I think they have better talent on the roster to be able to make that happen. Well, we saw what happened when Cowling went out. And, you know, I think obviously Cowling is, is really, really good. But when Cowling went out, there was no one else getting open. I mean, it, it wasn't, and, and I don't want to credit USC's defense too much. It was just Green didn't get open either. Montana has been a non-factor all year. If I'm Arizona, I wait to the bye week, start Montana this weekend. That's fine. I wait to the bye week, and I really figure this out. Like Malachi Riley, you have X amount of games. If you don't want to burn his red shirt, maybe you wait. I don't know if that's what they're thinking, a red shirt deal, but I just find it hard to believe. If you look at Montana's grading and receptions and all that, I mean, he just – he hasn't been good all year. Like, his his total numbers in, what is it, six games now? 120 yards? 12 catches for 130 yards. I mean, no, just not that's, that's, it's not good enough. And 50 of them are against NAU. Yep. So, it, it's just – it's right. not good enough because if something happens where you play defense, like, you're, you're basically saying, you know what, T-Mac, Cowing, you have to play really good every game or we're screwed offensively. Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Because that's been the challenge is you you have guys heavy at the top, but at the same time, you can't just rely solely on those guys. I mean, you're going to have to rotate in and out. And that third receiving spot is definitely probably the most vulnerable spot on the offense. And he hasn't been consistent for whatever reason. Um, we've seen it. You guys just broke down the sample size. So I think it's an opportunity and this coaching staff probably is realizing it too, just with the way things played out on Saturday, you know, given it's a, a USC team that's top 10 and, and whatnot, but you need to rotate and give some other guys some shots. I know coaches are reluctant to take carriers and touches away from people, but uh, this guy really hasn't shown you much consistency in, in games where it matters. So it's not like you don't have any options. I would understand if, you know, dip was a problem or they didn't have other guys at the receiving spot to rotate in Mike, but they have guys who maybe aren't proven on paper right now, but the upside is there. The talent is there. So why not get them in the game? Sure. Who's a higher draft pick T Mac or Jonas Avenea? <laughs> I'd go Jonah. I, I would too. Jonah, just because there's more of a price on a, on an offensive lineman, but yeah, Jonah I mean, was an absolute monster. It was funny. There there was a couple plays where uh, th they stretched it to the outside, and he literally just threw guys around out there. He's uh, it, it's hard to really quantify because a lot of people don't see it, but he's just a monster skier. I know you don't like PFF, but we do use it when it proves our point. Uh, <laughs> Morgan Correct. and Jonah Savanea had like a 93 and a 91 pass blocking grade, which is insane. That's about as good as you can get in right. college football. And they have it like every game. It's just, it's ridiculous. Right. The, the pass blocking that they've been able to do this season. I'm curious next year. Does Jonah, do, do they keep Jonah on the outside next year again? You think? I think it depends on what, what happens with other guys. Like how does Rhino develop and those guys, can they move? certain dudes around. I, I think that it all depends on that. 
All right, I wanted to switch back to the defense here for a second. Justin Flo, you pick up one end of the stick, you pick up the other end of the stick. That's just going to be the way that it is. And you're going to take some of the good, you're going to take some of the bad, because he's he's got a suddenness, he's got an explosive factor that absolutely nobody on the defense has. But guys, he's also going to do some less than ideal, he's going to have some less than ideal mistakes throughout the game as well. Go for that one, Sheer. Uh, he is a psychopath. In every way, I love him though. Like, yeah, like you just you, you say to yourself, look, he's going to make that play on Caleb Williams in the backfield where he reads it perfectly and sacks him, and then he's also probably going to make a play where he tries to kill someone. And basically, you have to decide if the good is better than the bad. And uh, it, I mean, look, Daniel Hamilly played one snap against USC. Flo right. got for the first time. Flo got uh, a, a very yeah, and he deserved it. And like for me, I'm playing Flo every game and. You're trying – there's a fine line because you're trying to say, look, don't go kill that guy and get a penalty, but that's just a flow. I mean, you just kind of kind of got to take it and live with it. Ben, it was wild watching him up there, though, just seeing – especially playing against a team like USC with all these five-star athletes, this suddenness. He still stands out as kind of a superhuman. Yeah, I mean, he was flying out there. Um, the moment definitely wasn't too big for him. And as we've talked about, when you look at guys on this defense, the defensive line gets a lot of attention for the talent that they have. But he's definitely a guy that we've been watching very closely uh, since the summer is somebody who just looks different. Somebody looks uh, somebody who looks just built a little bit different out there. And uh, as a result, you see that on the field and you see that the plays he's able to make. But at the same time, <laughs> you don't know what's you don't know what player. And I get it from a coaching staff perspective, because you don't know exactly what type of play you're going to get every sa- uh, snap, excuse me. And that can be good and that can be bad. So if you're Jed Fish, if you're Nansen on the defensive coordinator side, um, I think you'd be silly not to continue to use him. But I also understand the fact that you probably have to be a little bit calculated as well. And as time goes on and as he gets into the game more, you would hope that things settle down a little bit. But he's talented. you got to find a way to get him out there. I'm going to pat myself on the back a little bit on my Twitter right here. I just told somebody going at Sheer that burner accounts that are obvious are never the way to go. Word to the wise. 15 likes already, my friend. 15 wow. likes. Um, very, very cool. Every now and then I do something funny. Um, now, Sheer, I need you to ask a question, though. And nobody has an answer for it, and I need to know. Last year, Arizona oh, – by the way, Gunnar Maldonado, we can start the My Bad Gunner movement. I mean – we, we've got to say Gunner Maldonado was fantastic. Gunner, salute emoji to you. We've got to say it. Sheer, you've been harsh on him as well. Sheer, apologize right now. Absolutely. That was the highest coverage grade on PFF that he's ever had, I think. Literally. It was like it was the best on the team. There wasn't one moment, which is the first game all season, I think, where I said, oh, damn it, Gunner. Props to him. If he can yeah. play like that moving forward, Arizona's defense is going to be even better. It's a good thing. All right, when here's what I don't, don't understand. Go ahead, Ben. No, ahead. I was just going to say it's it's a good thing when you're not saying Gunner's name, and that was the first game where we weren't saying Gunner's name every other snap, saying "Damn it, another possession given up." So, bravo to him. Because many times when you're saying Gunner's name, you're saying, "Oh, geez," and yeah. you could check out our friends at OG's Brands for yourself you and try one. That was good. That was really good. I'm very proud of myself. Or one of their many delicious flavors. Check them out across all socials at OG's Brands and online at OG'sBrands.com to find them at a local dispensary near you. You must be 21 years or up to enjoy responsibly the fruits, the red apple, the watermelon, the peach, you name it. They have it. Check it out. OG's. Sheer. Last year's Arizona safeties might have been the worst covering safeties in all of college football history between Christian Young and Gunnar Maldonado. 
Why wasn't Dalton Johnson playing last year? Uh, the obsession with Christian Young is the only thing I could think of. It, there's one player a year where you go, why is this dude playing? And this year it's probably Gunner. Um, and last year it was it was Christian Young. It's just, why is this guy in here? All right. So you basically we're just chalking it up to kind of a teacher's pet type thing. Yeah. I mean, it's not because he was bad. It wasn't good enough. I mean, I'll, I, it, the coaches will tell you that he worked hard and he improved in the offseason and all that. But I find it hard to believe that he went from a dude that doesn't play at all to one of the better safeties in the conference. All right, now let's look ahead to Wazoo a little bit. So uh, um, Jed Fish has said, stated that if uh, Jaden Delora is 100% healthy, he will play, he will start against Washington State. Um, and again, I need to be care- careful here because Jed Fish has been fantastic. And I put this out there, but I think that Jed Fish also needs to be a little careful here and that he's not Lute Olson. He doesn't have the credits to just say, I don't really care what anybody says right here. We're going to do this because he's still seven and 22 or whatever it is as a head coach, something like, I, I don't know quite what the numbers are in, in football. The average fan, my mother can watch at a surface level and say that quarterback's better than that quarterback generally. And anybody that's watched both of them this year can tell that Noah Fafita has been better than Jaden Delora sheer. I'll say this. If you go with JDL against Washington State, that better work because if he has a Stanford or a Mississippi State performance and Arizona gets blown out, they are going to – this. I'm not saying the city will turn, but the city will definitely start having major concerns about Fish. If he does it, it better work. Yeah, I mean, we talked on the phone the other day and I said, this is the crossroads of Jed Fish's career at Arizona. This is that that moment. If he goes with Jaden and Jaden plays well, no one's going to care. I know people say they'll care, but they won't care. If he goes with Jaden and Arizona loses and he throws three picks, Jed's going to get killed. Um, if Jaden plays poorly and he pulls him early, I think Jed could probably get away with that uh, if he makes that move, but I don't think he would make that move. Um, it's really going to be, is Jaden going to play well? And I do find it interesting that he said 100%. Not 99, not 90, 100%. Mm-hmm. I think he left himself some room there to maybe go with Noah and then reassess everything during the bye week. Ben, one I would, agree. I would agree with that. You know, I think in the nature of just college football and the way things are with the injury report and the fact that you don't have to be very transparent and it's such a gray area topic, I think Fish is just trying to put out as much generalities as he can. I mean, if you read into what he said yesterday in the press conference, um, it looked like a lot of just just fluff. And I think if Noah is in a position where he needs to go out there again, he's going to go out there again. And if JDL is at a position where he, they feel he's healthy enough, I think he'll get a shot. But at the same time, I wouldn't proclaim him or say that he'll be the starter per se after this week if he throws four picks. Because at that point, you know what this roster is. You know how good it can be just with the improvements you have on the defensive side. I have a hard time believing if he goes out there and stinks it up and Arizona loses by two or three touchdowns that they they don't go back to Fafita because at that point, you've had enough of a sample size. Now, granted, I get Fafita's only played a couple of games, but like you said, when you watch him on the screen, when you watch the command of the offense, when you watch just how things flow, I mean, there's a clear difference right there. And 
Uh, he's not captain checkdown. I mean, the kid is really talented. It takes a talented player. It takes a guy with with balls and swagger to go out there and throw five touchdowns again against USC. I'm sorry. I don't care how bad USC's defense is, but when you're going up against a top 10 program, when you're going up against Caleb Williams and you put up that type of performance, um, you've got to be in the driver's seat for for consideration moving forward. So we'll see what happens. All right. Now, let's say that you're looking at that eight-point spread. You're like, all right, I know a little something that somebody else might not know. Bet it, sign up for BetMGM. Use bonus code PHNX. Place your first BetMGM sportsbook wager through the BetMGM sportsbook mobile app of at least $10. You'll receive $200 instantly in additional winnings regardless of your wager's outcome. Check out the show notes for full details. Guys, what do we think about that initial eight-point spread on the bet mgm app skier ben what do you guys think what says you sheer we're both gonna say the same thing it depends who starts at quarterback All right, uh, well, I'm going arizona. let's say no one arizona. i think arizona wins back in the a game. i actually i, I think too. arizona goes out and wins this game on saturday ben yeah, are I you back arizona in the a wins. as well I am backing the A. I think Arizona wins this game. I think the defense can hold them to, you know, 17, 21 points. UCLA was able to do it. Uh, Arizona should be able to do that and, uh, you know, score 24, 30 points to win that one. All right. Now let's hear from the uh, Shane Diefenbach with the disclaimer. All right. Now, now. Let's talk a little bit about, I want to talk before we sign off here, wanted to make fun of ASU there a little bit. Um the uh, Deion, well, I guess it's partially Deion Sanders, too. I don't think Colorado's a good team. I actually think Arizona's going to beat Colorado. But, man, close games. Deion wins these close games. He's got a command out there. His son is fantastic. I was rooting hard for Colorado, obviously, in that game. Sheer, um, you watch Deion. You see what he can do. I think they're a year away from being really, really good, actually, and not just kind of a smokescreen. Yeah, I mean, I believe Dion when he says Shador is coming back because he's his dad. So I believe him. <laughs> but I mean, if you assume that those guys are going to come back, you assume they're going to strike gold again in the portal. He's just going to cut every bad player again and bring in 50 more guys that are really good. And eventually he'll build and all that. They're going to be an eight, eight or nine win team. Like it wouldn't surprise me. I definitely think they'll make a bowl next year. But um, it's pretty, I like, I, I like Dion. I know he rubs some people the wrong they're way. They're going to make a bowl this awesome. year, dude. You think they make a it's bowl? I bet you they make a bowl this year. Mm-hmm. No, it's going to be close. Have you seen their schedule? No, but all right. What do what, what do we got here? Because they're at four wins right now. Just need two more. All right, so they're they're at four, right? So they play Stanford. That's five. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. After that, they're at UCLA, Oregon State, Arizona, at Wazoo, at Utah. They'll win one I, of those games. I can see Oregon State or UCLA. They can steal one of those. I would agree with that. But that's, I mean, if you think Arizona is going to beat them, that it, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I the think Oregon Arizona, State, you know, I, I think Arizona, I don't think there's a game remaining that Arizona can't win. Back to the, back to the good guys right here, Ben. I look at Arizona's schedule. Now, again, they could lose these games for sure. But I don't think there's yeah. a game that they can't win where I say no chance poppycock. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and you got to attribute that to the defense. Um, Washington, USC are the games that we even said prior to the year starting that Arizona had no chance to win. And here they were seven and two points away from winning those games, respectively. So uh, what, Wazoo, you got at Wazoo next week, and then Oregon State, UCLA at home at Colorado. You mean to tell me you can't find, you know, 
two to three wins in that stretch, I think you can if you stay healthy. And if Noah Fafita is the starting quarterback, if JDL is the starting quarterback, then all bets are off the table. And all of a sudden that home right. game against Utah looks a lot more winnable too, because Cam Rising may not come back this season. So yep. and Utah looks average. Utah is a, that's a very winnable game, right? That's a very winnable game. I would agree with it. Now, um, let me ask you this. Let's say Arizona beats Washington State going into the bye. Noah Fafita balls out. Um, Jaden Delora, you would assume, would be 100% healthy after the bye. If, Delore, or if Noah Fafita has another awesome game, they beat Washington State, can you still go back to Jaden Delora? I think it's done. I really do. I, I think if Noah plays well, he has to play well. It can't be like, oh, Arizona right. won 17-7. If Noah plays well and they beat Washington State, um, you know how I am. I've told you every day that I, I knew that Jed would turn back to Jaden Delora. I would I would shift in the other direction. I can't see how if he goes on the road and beats a ranked team and plays his third good game in a row, how you bench him for the rest of the year. It just it'd be very difficult to do. And Ben, Jed Fish has done a great job of building up a lot of credits here in the city, doing things the right way. Those start to go out the window if you play really well against Washington State and then you put JDL back in for really no explanation. At that point, I think people start to have some real questions. Yeah, I mean, they have questions when you do that. And then when you start to lose people, right, is if you put JDL back in there in that game against Wazoo or uh, the following game against Oregon State, then You've really lost people. Um, I just keep coming back to explain to us, you know, what's the clear difference between QB1 and QB2? Um, I, I get that Noah's played less. I get that he is less experienced per se. But when I watch the two quarterbacks, to me, there's just clear definition in terms of who looks better on the field, who's doing more. And I think most importantly, who's the better fit for this offense. And to me, fellas, Noah Fafita is that better fit. And I just don't understand really what, what JDL does better um, on paper than Fafita does up until this point. It makes no sense to me. Noah takes the easy first down. That is the big, that is probably the best thing that I can say when there's a 10 yard, there's a 12 yard, there's a 13 yard out in front of him. Noah throws that ball right there. Whereas I think Delora looks that off, runs it around, looks to chuck it deep scare. You agree with me deep down, even if you're going to pretend you don't. No, I agree. Jaden Delora is like a video game quarterback. Like when you're playing a video game and you run all over the place and then you throw it deep, <laughs> that's Jaden Delora. Like right. Noah's going to make the right decision. And, Sometimes it's going to be safe and sometimes less risk, less reward, but mm. the opposite holds true. Also, it, it just, it depends what your, your, what your preference is basically. All right. Before we sign off here, Shear's going to be back again tomorrow doing a double duty right here. Shear is a, Shear's committed. Shear's confirmed that we got Jody Ayler coming on. Shear has more Twitter followers than Jody Ayler, but Jody Ayler is more famous than Jason Shear. We have, I actually right like here. Jody <laughs> you like Jody Ayler as well. We like that right there. Okay, that is a good thing because Jody Ayler is awesome. He's a very good fan. All right, but I'm just going to leave it on this. Um, with the Elijah rushing, nobody cares if a kid decommits. That's part of the deal. But the way that the way this happened was absolutely atrocious, to put it mildly. And you put the kid in the crosshairs of something that he wasn't really even involved in. I think that uh, I think that this should be a learning experience for many many people. But or many people, maybe one person. Um, all right. But for J Jason Shear, where can they find you, by the way? Causing all your trouble. Uh, Wildcatauthority.com, at Jason Shear on Twitter, and the Wildcat Scoop podcast with my wife, Shelby.
And by the way, anybody out there on the board that asks me uh, to uh, stop the back the A movement, you only invigorate the back the A movement. It's not happening, dude. The back the A movement is here and it's not going anywhere. It is strong. It is thriving and it is only getting bigger, Sheer. Oh, it's like, you know, when when you're a little kid and your parent tells you no and you just want to do something more. That's the back the A movement. You could tell us no, but we're just going to want to do it more now. We're going to keep doing it more. Ben White, also part of the Back the A movement as well right there. So, again, Ben, really appreciate you. Uh, ben, live and on assignment from a still scouting USC for their game next week. All right. But for Ben White, Jason Shear, I am merely Mike Luke. You've been listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast.